0: Welcome to the Dive Podcast, presented by Willamette Week. I'm your host, Hank Sanders. Each week, we tackle a different issue that's uniquely Portland. So tune in every Saturday to hear a new episode complete with interviews and editorial that helps explain our city. From Portland's leading paper comes a brand new way to engage with the news, sports, arts, and culture. Stick around. Welcome back to the dive podcast. My name is Hank Sanders. I'm your host. We've got a great show for you. We talked to a woman named Emma Potty, who is the freelance journalist behind this week's cover story. We talked to her about her story regarding an athlete who is being constantly bullied for her weight all over Portland uh, in grocery stores on the sidewalk and the streets. Uh, very interesting story. All that coming up later, but before that, folks, let's let's talk about this. Uh, I, I really want to be talking to you, our listeners, about your days, about Portland. Any questions you have? Um, so I, that's how I'd like to end the show. So please, if you uh, if you want to talk to us, uh, reach out via any Willamette Week social channels. That's Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Let us know that you want to talk, and uh, we'll get we'll get to you. Or reach out to me personally, H. Sanders at wweek.com via email. Um, that's a good way to do it as well. You know, we got a lot of people reaching out and telling us how they wanted to end the show, and a really popular response was uh, they wanted to hear from other listeners like themselves. So please, uh, if you have anything interesting or nothing interesting at all and then just want to talk, we'd love to end the show uh, with, with you, our listeners, give you guys a platform uh, to talk to us. So before we get into the cover story, let's, uh, let's go into the 90-second flash. Let's cover the headlines. Here it is. Folks, Oregon really wanted to have 80% of all seniors vaccinated by now, but we're well short of that number. Only two-thirds of Oregon's seniors are vaccinated, well below the national average, and it really speaks to how difficult it is to get the vaccine uh, to counties all around the state. Uh, There's a big discrepancy, and some counties are doing really well, some counties are doing not so well. For example, Clackamas County only has 55% of their seniors vaccinated. Portland Public Schools will open for a two-hour session for all elementary school grade levels by next week. However, Portland Public Schools has not made sure that every window in the schools can open properly, something experts say is a great way Uh, to keep the virus from spreading. Rapper Lil Nas X came out with a shoe that honors Satan uh, and reportedly contained a drop of human blood in the soul. While it was not made with Nike's knowledge, uh, it is a Nike shoe, so now Nike is suing for damages. Uh, No one's a fan of Satan, I guess. Um, Two Portland restaurants are bringing a New Jersey classic to Portland. The pork roll may be an East Coast thing, but hey, we can enjoy it here. Why not? Uh, and on passover no less let's let's give it a shot uh sounds good to me uh get yours uh at a couple restaurants uh go to the Lambda week website to learn more about this and other stories this has been the 90 second news flash
1: grateful for the little things i
0: Folks, let's now dive into this week's cover story. Freelance journalist Emma Pottie brought us this story of a woman named Christina Malone, Christina is a pro powerlifter who holds the Oregon record for powerlifting. Despite her athletic accolades, she is constantly being bullied for her weight. Being in a larger body means withstanding criticism from people all the time. Even in crunchy Portland, Oregon, and even though she competes in weightlifting competitions at a high level, Christina is told over and over again that she is unhealthy. Well, I interviewed Emma on her story, and uh, here's what we got. Why should we care about Christina? I'm never gonna meet Christina, uh, probably. Um, hopefully, but hopefully I will. But um, but why should I care about her story?
2: You know, I think that something that has always astounded me about fat bias is how much it harms all of us. And in some, in some ways, I think it can harm. Um, I wouldn't say more, but I would say it can equally harm, um, people who are not in larger bodies, but who have spent their whole lives, uh, trying to stay small. And I think for women, especially, you know, there's been a lot of research about what happens in women's brains when they obsess so much about their body size and about their weight and this kind of concept of like a brain drain professionally, um, so I think that we all need to be concerned about fat bias because just like any other bias, and just like racism and just like sexism, and it and and, and ableism, it truly impacts all of us. It's a it's a a, a darkness and a negativity that um, that hurts all of us. And and so kind of no matter what size your body is, um, you know, looking at the ways in which fat phobia is is impacting you and is impacting how you treat other people. I think is deeply important.
0: Yeah. I want you to help. I want you to speculate with me as to the reason why, um, calls to eating disorder clinics and problems with people's body image have gotten worse, um, during the pandemic, because it might seem to me a novice who doesn't know this topic that well, okay. If uh, teenage girls aren't in class with bullying boys and girls, then they they are kind of removed from that, um, from the taunting about their bodies. It would seem like maybe being home alone would actually help that, maybe decrease mental health, but maybe help the uh, you know the the bo- the body image that society and other people place on them. So why is that getting worse?
2: Mm. Well, okay. First off, Hank, journalists can't speculate. It's just a rule true. of the trade. Um,
0: Very true. Okay, That's let's why. Let's, let's this...
2: speculate. Let's do it. Yeah. Um,
0: okay, good. <laughs> yeah, I
2: have a couple of different thoughts. Um, I think that when we are faced with what we can't control, we look for things we can control. And for most of us, bodies and food um, are often going to be the stand in for something that we can control. When we really can't control our jobs, we can't control you know, um, whether we get COVID or not, uh, whether we can see our fa- family and friends or not, but we can control what we eat.
0: Um, Great point. Yeah. I think
2: an aspect of it is definitely that from my understanding is that, um, you know, first off, I, I want to say eating disorders are, are the number one, most fatal mental illness, um, and, and certainly for women. So a huge, huge issue. And my understanding is that a lot of that, that kind of scrutiny is coming from social media. So it's not coming from being bullied in the classroom. It's coming from your Instagram DMs where someone's like, you're fat, you should kill yourself to like an 11 year old. And so I think that that probably ramped up during COVID, not. Down. Right. Um. And so I don't think that there was a, I don't, I don't know that I would have to look, but my guess, my guess is that that is, um, that is probably what happened. And you know, I think another piece of this is that often people with eating disorders also have kind of an exercise compulsion that goes with that. And a lot of us had to had to stop or drastically change how we exercised. Right. I'm guessing that's probably a part of it as well. Um,
0: I've seen videos online on TikTok, um, YouTube, Instagram, talking about like, it's not that hard to not be fat being fat is unhealthy. You could just go on a jog and eat better. Um, is that reasonable?
2: Yeah. You know, I used to believe that, um, you know, I've, I've been on a diet since I was probably 15, um, and obviously, am no longer. And for me, I, you know, I would have sworn that that was true. It's a, certainly a cultural belief. Um, the data just doesn't back it up. What the data shows is that 95% of diets fail and that, that the people who are on them are not only likely to gain weight back, but to gain more weight. That's, that's just the straight up data. There really hasn't been anything to contradict that. Um, And, you know, so I think it's important. We all kind of start there in the science. I think, um, you know, food deprivation is, uh, is really challenging, really unhealthy and kind of the primary way that we recommend people lose weight. Our bodies are so much smarter than we are. Um, and they're always going to be, and they're going to s- struggle to kind of keep us satiated and keep us alive. And, um, we think we can, you know, out, we, we can trick them, but clearly we can't, or diets wouldn't fail. At some point we have to question why fat people need to not be fat at all. And if we, as a culture could be kind and accommodating, um, to fat people and to, um, And I count myself in that group and to, to treat fat people with humanity, maybe they wouldn't need to be so concerned about how to not be fat.
0: Um, I want to talk about this. I, I don't know because I don't have personal experience with this, but it would seem to me like while racism is incredibly rampant in this country in downtown Portland in the line at New Seasons, it's less socially accepted to comment. I'm I'm guessing that it's less socially accepted to comment on somebody's race or ethnicity than it is on their weight or what they are eating. Do you think that that's the case? And if so, why? Or, or if not, do you, do you think that that, do you think it's equal? Equally accepted?
2: You know, what's, what's terrible is how much fat phobia and racism have an overlap. And so what's terrible- really? is how- black women have to deal with fat phobia. So I think what's, you know, what's, what's sad is, is that in some, in in some cases it's just like not either, or it's like, no, you, you, you're literally getting both. How terrible is that? Um, I don't, yes, I would say that in, in, from what I, I mean, I, I can't make the comparison to racism. I, right, I right. just don't know. And I wouldn't want to say, and I think that, Portland has a reckoning that needs to happen with its racist past in a way that it doesn't maybe have a particularly fat phobic past different from other cities. So yeah. I would say that that is, you know, needs to be our priority. Um, when I think about cities that are very aligned with health, um, like Boulder, Colorado, for example, I, and, and very where there's a lot of yoga, where there's a lot of um, people really interested in eating healthy and organic eating and clean eating, um, which is kind of a, a, a diet culture term, I do think there starts to be a heightened fat bias. For one, you you cities like Portland attract fewer fat people. And so they are attracting people that are already kind of in that belief system that you can control right. your body. And they're right. attracting a certain, a certain level of privileged person that also feels they can kind of buy their way into a thin body. And there's certainly a lot of kind of socioeconomic and, um, and body weight, um, factors that rarely get discussed. And so I do think in that way, you will, get, um, you will get an increase of fat bias in places that really pride themselves on being healthy.
0: People look at America, we eat hamburgers and and we're overweight. So do you think that there is some fine line where you're like, yes, body positivity is important and nobody should be in this grocery store commenting on another person's body freely. Um, but do you also think that there's like, but also let's make sure that you're like being healthy.
2: It's a great question. And it's, and, and it is something that I, that I think about often. Um, you know, first I just, I want to say that, that one of the, just right off the bat, one of the fundamental um, challenges is that BMI is such an inaccurate, um, and kind of ridiculous measurement of health that was created by someone who wasn't a doctor and it was based on, on white men. So it, it, it also doesn't take into account like any kind of gender differences, um, in, 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 any genetic differences in body type. So, you know, just right there, there's a challenge we have, but to your larger question, um, you know, I think that I see this so often writing about women's issues that when we write about women, um, and, and when we, when we think about women's issues, we blame the individual, right? Like I write a lot about, you know, money and, and, and women's finances. We blame women. Why aren't, why don't you care more about investing? Um, we blame women when it comes to, to mothering. Why aren't you trying harder to breastfeed? Um, what we, that is a that is a, a, a result of a of a of a patriarchal system, right? Like that is that is intentional that we that we blame the the, the person with the least power for why the outcome isn't different. I would say, um, you know, that anyone who's ever been tempted to yell out the window of a car at a person in a larger body, if that person took whatever anger and, and hate that's inside of them and and shifted that towards Working on the system, so um, let's make sure that people in fat bodies are getting believed by doctors, are getting high quality medical care. Let's work on our medical care system. Let's work on food deserts. Let's look at the link between health and socioeconomic um, status. Yeah. Let's yeah. make sure that kids are getting um, the food they need and the nutrition that we need. You know, let's talk about big soda. Let's talk about you know the, the 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 billions of dollars that that big soda lobbies for and gets um from the government like that is where the change needs to happen to make all of us healthier and regardless of what size we are that's where the change needs to come from it needs to come through system change and it needs to come through policy change and it needs to come through corporate change i don't think it ever needs to happen at the checkout line at new seasons
0: Big thank you, Emma, for talking to us about this story. I learned a lot. I thought it was very interesting. But even after our discussion, I still had some lingering questions, and I reserved those for Christina herself. I sat down with Christina, and here is an excerpt of our interview. Take me through your experience, your, like, put us into your brain of what goes on when you're at a new season, you're at a grocery store, and somebody comments on your weight. So you, put your, you put your groceries down and start there.
1: Yeah, I think it, in that, to be totally honest, it kind of depends on, you know, what else has happened that week? You know, is this the first or the fifth time I've heard something? Um, you know, what's the, the context around it? But for me, most of the time when people comment on my body, I, I just have gotten to this point where it's like, I'm really sorry that, that you live in a world where you are so triggered by my simple existence in line buying food. That you can't keep it to yourself and for whatever reason you feel like you have the right to come and talk to me about my body like that's a really
0: reactive place for other people to be living in and for
1: yeah. me it's like i'm just existing this my life here i i really don't care what you say um i've heard it all before
0: <laughs> yeah you talked about how when you were growing up, there were doctors who told you to be on diets that were restrictive and weren't in line with your personal health. Uh, if uh, if there's somebody who's like, well, now we think that, you know, can you trust people to be talking about your body in a healthy way now?
1: Yes, I will say like, I'm, I'm really lucky. Um, my partner is a really good support system for me. We've been together a long time. He's kind of seen me go through this period where I was still really really struggling with body image issues and really affected by like, I took in everything anyone said, I just kind of took it in. I had no ability to really deflect that. Um, great family. So it's, it's helpful for me to have those tools, but in terms of dealing with medical professionals, I am my own best ally. Um, I'm very fortunate that I'm fairly and well-educated. Um, I can read scientific journals. like I understand a lot of the, the medicine behind it, And so I go into every doctor's visit I have really with an arsenal of tools to help explain my body size to the medical professionals, whatever it is they need to see videos, body density scans, um, lab work history, anything that they might want to see. And so for me, I walk into those conversations really um, not driving them, but just laying it very plainly that, Hey, this is the playing field. These are the facts. And I'm I'm asking you to help me fix something. Um, It's not that I won't listen to feedback, but at this point I've kind of gone through every version of diet changes, elimination changes, um, you know, and working with, you know, Olympic class nutritionist team has really, really helped me understand that it really was never about anything I was doing wrong, other than the fact that I just was cutting down to 900 calories a day, which is obviously not maintainable for any athlete. (laughs)
0: See, that's fascinating to me because i am obvious, i'm somebody who would not have the self-aware like self-awareness or the experience to go in and be like this is exactly what i want from my doctor like when i go in and get a checkup my doctor says oh you're you know whatever it is and i'm just like yeah okay and i and i actually i do it and so but being in a situation being in a body type where that theory that those uh advisings from the doctors might not necessarily be in your best interest. I don't even, you know, fathom what that's like. Is that, is, am I kind of getting it right? Where like, you know, have an old fashioned view of like what your mass should be, what your calories should be. So then you have to go into the doctor predetermining what you want out of the doctor visit. Is that correct?
1: Correct. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, until I find a good relationship for rapport, you know, I have a primary now that I work with who, um, I, I do trust, but it's, it's taken, I, you know, if you are a bigger body person or, you know, any of the adjectives that, that you can use to describe someone in a big body, it's, it's really, really difficult in medicine because you are instantly, I think, prejudged for having that size as you've already done something wrong because you are simply existing in that body. And whether you have quote unquote done something wrong, it doesn't negate the fact that you deserve to have, you know, competent, qualified care.
0: Totally. Totally. Totally to be completely honest, when I think of, when I think of an athlete, the, the image that comes into my head is a lean, um, you know, I'm trying to think of a, you know, I think probably lean is probably the best word person. Um, do you ever feel yourself when you're, when you describe yourself as an athlete, which you are, do you ever feel yourself um, like almost like apologizing or trying to like make that other person understand that?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and I think earlier in my life, I definitely did. Um, I think I mentioned it a bit in the article, but with I've been an athlete my whole life, whether it was volleyball, riding and training horses, um, running marathons, whatever it was, um, in, in every single sport I've ever been in prior to powerlifting, I always had to be like, hey, you know, um, I know I'm a big person, but I can do all of these things. So I'm justifying my reason to be on your team or for you to coach me. Um, and with powerlifting now, it's really the first time where I've been able to really make that transition from being in that point where I'm going to say, Hey coach, you know, I know I'm a big girl, but I can do all these things to where I'm just simply saying, I have a big body and this is what I can do. Uh It's not a justification. It's just like, It's really awesome that I'm in this body. This body is fantastic. It does so many things that I could not do. And not everyone can do what we do metabolic rates with my really everything that constitutes how my body functions. um, Pulling off significant amounts of weight off my body um, has never worked Um, to to do that. Has never,
0: has never, has never worked to increase the amount of weight that you need to carry. Is that, no, is that so when, I've or... never
1: tried to cut weight since starting lifting. lifting. Um, but okay. basically, like, prior to this, I'd be like, oh, gosh, I'm going to try and pull off, you know, 40, 50 pounds or whatever, you know, the goal was. But to get that weight loss, the extreme amount of dieting and the extreme amount of, of really harmful things to my body to get it to do that. Um, like, like, are we talking
0: was, like, 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 are we talking like on par with like starvation kind of stuff? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And even I was working with a nutritionist at the time. Um, and she was just like, she's like, I don't know what to do to help you lose weight. It's like, it's like your body just does not want to do this.
0: So why even do this story? Because it seems like you're putting yourself out there. Like, why not just keep doing Keep your head down, you know, keep power lifting, hit that 500 and, uh, and just keep doing this. Why, why go on the cover of a lamb a week?
1: The reason for me, like why I do it is it's not for getting myself notoriety. I don't want to be quote unquote famous for it. It's, we have to start telling these kinds of stories. We have to start showing that this, people are experiencing these kinds of events. And like, these things are happening every day. It's not just me. It's like, think about how many people are out in the world going through this. And I'm really, really fortunate. Like I have a really good support system. I've been able to do a lot of work in terms of fixing my own images with my or my own issues with body image and i feel very secure in being exposed this
0: way folks that's our show thank you so much for listening catch us next week for another great episode we we got you uh, i want to hear from you guys again contact us at uh, any social channel from Willamma week or email me at hstanders at wweek.com Take care. Happy Passover. Stay safe. Do what you can. Have fun. And uh, I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dive Podcast presented by Willamette Week. For more information on this podcast or the biggest stories in Portland, go to wweek.com and follow Willamette Week on all socials. We're doing some really cool things related to the podcast on our Instagram and Twitter. It includes giveaways, behind the scenes, etc. A lot of cool things coming your way, so give those a follow. Special thanks to our guests for joining us. And thank you to Aaron Mesh, Mark Zussman, and Brian Bon as well as the entire Willamette Week family. Last but not least, thank you so much to Heather Witty and Ampmusic.co for the music that you hear on this podcast. For Willamette Week, I'm Hank Sanders. This has been the Dive Podcast.